Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 100. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. And we're so excited to be here with our 100th episode. Honestly, when we started the podcast in April of 21, uh-huh. there's no way I thought that this is how it would be. <laughs> I never thought we'd get to 100 episodes, but it's really exciting. And yeah. it's been such a great journey for us of learning uh, we're sorry that this episode is coming a little bit later than we said it would. Yeah, this was supposed to be the last day of November for National Adoption Month here in the United States, but um, we had a couple people fall sick in the family, and busyness of the holiday season starting to creep in with choir concerts and all these things happening. It's been a little busy, but we're happy to be in your in your podcast feed for this 100th episode. Yeah, we're really excited. So today we're just going to wrap up some thoughts from this last season of National Adoption Month and also talk a bit about this concept called disenfranchised grief. So we're going to start with just some takeaways that we've gained. And man, I mean, I'm, I'm reflecting back over the last two and a half years and there have been there has been so much that I've learned uh, from so many people and I feel like we can't really capitulate all of that into one episode. I mean, we could, but it'd be really it'd be long. Really long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would save you from listening to every podcast episode. But they're but also good. They're it's so better good. to hear from and the actual people we talk to. So we're going to just recap, like Lynette said, just some of the key takeaways that we've learned over the last month and uh, dive a little bit deeper in some of those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it was our last episode, but I keep thinking about all of these ramifications of embryo adoption and how much I still don't know. I feel like there's always so much we don't know in the adoption world, but we say that and it's like one of those things that we know we don't know everything, but I feel like we know a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but then embryo adoption, if we started talking about that, I was like, wow, there's so much I don't know. And it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. And so that's been a good reminder to me of how much there really is that we don't know in all of these different spheres, really. Yeah, for sure. So one thought that has just kept coming back in my mind from, you know, this November of 2023, this big <laughs> series of episodes that we did is from our episode with Christelle. And for those of you who may not have listened to that episode, she is an adoptee who was born in Madagascar and lived there for a few years. She was like 10 when she was adopted, right? Yeah, it was yeah. it was later in her childhood and her mother passed away and she was put into an orphanage. Um and then was adopted by a family, a white family in France. And so she moved to France when she was ten, around 10 years old and such a culture shock, I'm sure. Yeah, the, there was the, there was no common language. The culture was so different. Anyway, I, my thoughts have been around her experience and one particular thing that she shared during her episode. She said that after some time, after, you know, really gelling with her adoptive parents and adopting this new culture of living in southern France, um... She felt like she didn't belong in the community that she was in, even though it be, had become part of her community. Um, 
and so she didn't feel like she fit in with white people. She was she's black, and then when she was with other black people, she felt like she didn't fit in either. And so she was kind of put in this place where she never really fit in, and no matter where she was at, even when she was around people who culturally acted the same as her, she didn't feel like she fit in, or like racially when she was with people, she didn't fit in. And so for me, um, yeah, I've just been thinking about that concept so much of how do we help adoptees feel acceptance for who they are and where they are? How do we support them? How do we provide for them the best opportunity to, to feel whole? And that's a huge question to answer. Such a big question. I'm not sure like what the perfect answer to that is, of course, but I think a lot of that really does start with how we talk about, how we treat, how we interact with their first family too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really interesting in November, we heard from two birth moms who both have very open adoptions. And we've talked to many different birth parents throughout the podcast. And most of these stories are really hard hitting. There's some really challenging things that happen. Uh, and our episodes this month were a little different because uh, both Sarah Jane and Leah have had overall really positive experiences. They talked about how beneficial openness was for them, how they've had really open communication and like there's been grief, but there's also been support and there's been contact and respect. And anyway, it was very interesting to contrast that. And I feel like that is maybe a good place to start when we're thinking, how can we better support adoptees? Maybe that first step starts with how can we support their first family too? Yeah. And, and fostering connections with Mm -hmm. them really early on. Um, obviously those are, those are, those can be challenging relationships. Um, especially in the beginning, uh, to define norms and roles and how we approach different experiences or situations, scenarios. But in our experience, uh, it has been so, so worth it to, I don't, I don't, I can't think of a better term for this, but fight for those relationships. Not that it's been a, a struggle for all of them, but to make sure that we have individuals connected to our children from their biological families, like mm-hmm. that's been really important to us. And if you're just jumping into the podcast now and haven't listened to previous episodes, Lynette and I have four children, all of whom were adopted at birth, and uh, they range currently from 12 to 3 years old. And we have open adoptions with all of their birth families and are connected to both birth parents in, in all four situations and grandparents from at least one side of each kid's um, experience. And we've really tried to foster and cultivate this connection with biological family, obviously because we, we, we love them, but really for the sake of our children so that they know some of their origins, they know their story, they know they're loved, they have those connections, and so that they feel as whole as possible, that they have as many pieces to their genetic and historic puzzles as possible. Absolutely, and that's really been a theme 
as we've talked to and listened to so many different people who were adopted over the years, it has really stood out to me that when adoptive parents speak highly of, speak well of a child's birth family, uh, when they have these relationships or the openness, um, and if the openness isn't possible, there's still like that respect. When that is present, it makes such a big difference in these children's perceptions of themselves. And I think we've said this before, but it really resonates with me. It's so important that we love our kids' birth families because when we love their birth family, we're showing that we love all of our kid. Like yeah. We love all the parts of them, the parts that we might not understand too. And we care and we want to understand and we want to connect with all of them. And, and that includes their birth family. Yeah, and we've had adoptees share that when they heard their adoptive parents speak poorly or ill of their biological parents that they felt this sting mm -hmm. or they felt this like shame or, or yeah there were different responses yeah like a yeah. small piece of like a personal attack mm -hmm. or part of their identity was tainted because of the negative feelings that but or the the adoptive parents had or shared or even just offhanded comments Mm -hmm. Maybe even when they thought that nobody was listening. Yeah. And for us, that's been such a really important aspect of making sure that we genuinely cultivate really good relationships with them and that we have nothing but positive things to say about them to our children. No matter who's around, too, though. Yeah. Like, even if it's... E yeah, even if it's just us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's been so important. And so as we've talked about this... It does make me think of the concept that we've talked just a little bit. I don't think we've talked about it on the show very much, but disenfranchised grief. So if you haven't heard of what disenfranchised grief is, it's basically grief that's not really recognized by society as like legitimate. Or valid. Yeah, yeah. So an example would be like uh, you have an ex-spouse who passes away and there's grief because you were married to this person and they passed away. But society would say, they're your ex-spouse, like, you're not married anymore, you shouldn't mm -hmm. have to mourn that or be sad. Yeah, or, or like, grief. yeah, or like if you have an absent parent who's not involved in your life and you grieve them, or like their death or something like that. Um, in the adoption world, I think there's so many examples of disenfranchised grief, especially as we talk about birth parents, where you're losing the opportunity to parent. There's a loss for the adoptee because they've lost the opportunity to be raised by bio biological family members. Um, you might have disenfranchised grief when a planned adoption might fall through and adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents would experience that disenfranchised grief or with infertility and different struggles like that. So I feel like it's very pertinent in all of these conversations as we've been talking about these episodes that have stood out to us this month. Yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe we could dive in a little bit to like the specific aspects that that might play. And you just gave a lot of great examples, but um, I think we should start with the adoptee. Yeah. Because we, we on our podcast really try to put the adoptee's voice first. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and well, we know from the, the conversations that we have that many adoptees can grapple with the negative questions of identity or belonging or understanding their roots. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of people who would say, well, you have a great family and 
you're in a great situation now. Why, why would you mourn that? Society expects that adoption is this, this purely positive experience. Well, yeah, it's the lucky adoptee narrative that is often pushed on adoptees where they feel like they need to feel grateful or, like, yeah, accept this kind of, like, I've been rescued sort of status, which isn't healthy anyway, yeah. and it's not fair to them. And so for parents yeah. and friends, loved ones, support, you know, connections to those that are adoptees, people that were adopted, um, we need to recognize that mm-hmm. and and support and be okay. I think Lynette and I have both shared where there's times where we have to check our ego at the door when we're having conversations with our kids because they're sharing with us some really vulnerable thoughts or, or feelings um, about their adoption experience. And if if we don't check our ego, it's really easy to get frustrated or well, and it would discourage them from sharing in the future yeah. it would yeah it would make it so it's suddenly not safe to share what they're truly thinking and so yeah we have to constantly remind them too and say you are allowed to feel anything you want to feel you're allowed to share anything you want to share about what you're feeling like it's a safe space to share whatever like this is not about me and my feelings this is about you and your feelings because i'm sorry but when you're a parent it's not about how you feel about them it's you've got to focus on your child and what they need yeah that's the job <laughs> yeah and yeah. i feel like i mean society often holds like these preconceived notions of what the right way to grieve is mm-hmm. in a given situation and you know we as you know lynette and i being adoptive parents we don't know what it is like or feels like to be an adoptee and so we have to we have to be okay with and and know that we're never going to truly understand or comprehend those feelings yeah absolutely and so i feel like this disenfranchised grief um when you feel like you can't discuss these feelings that might not be understood by society when you feel like there's not a safe space to share then The results we see are things like shame and loneliness, anxiety and depression. And we've talked before about how harmful shame and stigma can be, especially in adoption. And so that's why we want to make sure that we are recognizing if someone's experienced a a kind of grief that isn't maybe understood or accepted by their community or our society, then we need to be actively finding ways to engage and listen and learn so that we can destigmatize that, so that we can make it a safe place to get rid of that shame and so there's more connection. Yeah, and I mean, individuals involved in the adoption process, all sides, um, are going to experience unique or complex emotions that aren't going to be widely understood by people outside of the adoption sphere uh, mm-hmm. constellation. And and so it's, it's important for us to think deeply about the experience that each member of this relationship, this constellation, this triangle, whatever you want to call it, um, are experiencing so that we can be as empathetic and understanding, caring as possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like this connects back. We've talked a little bit recently about this book, but it's one of our very favorite books. 
the book What Happened to You by yep. Dr. Bruce D. Perry and Oprah Winfrey is an excellent resource. It's not specifically about adoption, but it connects to like all of it, right? It's a really excellent book. So that we really recommend that. But in this book, uh, it talks about loss and it talks about how so often trying to process the grief and the trauma that a person has experienced that might not be understood. So Dr. Perry says, if we truly want to understand ourselves, we need to understand our history, our true history, because the emotional residue of our past follows us. And then this book is like a conversation with him and Oprah. And so Oprah then says that she agrees and she says, but that can't happen until there's a tipping point of awareness. And so really to start addressing this disenfranchised grief, to start addressing these complicated feelings, we need to start off by being more aware, right? We need to have these conversations. We need to be looking and thinking about what these people in our lives might be feeling and how we can help. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can consider, but, you know, this idea of identity or belonging, there's probably going to be some feelings um, around some grief around those things that Mm -hmm. society might not expect, right? Some searching for biological families. um, Some, you know, we've talked with lots of adoptees who've connected or searched for, wanted to reconnect with biological roots. And there's some grief around that, a lot of grief around the unknowns. and, And then sometimes those reunions don't go well too. Yeah. And sometimes they go really badly or there's a lot of pain around that reunion. Yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, I mean, it's just so complicated. Well, and another thought that I had too, was that like adoptees often from the conversations that we've had lack or feel this lack of control over their own life's narrative mm-hmm. because of the missing pieces. And we have to understand that we have to support that and fill in as much as we can. Um, and I think an aspect of that is just making sure that we have the right support systems mm-hmm. in place, whether that's adoption professionals, counselors that uh, adoptees can connect with and process emotions and feelings, whether that's family, um, racial, cultural mirrors. Just so there's so many resources and um, opportunities that we can provide for an adoptee to to help them feel as much whole and as little shame or guilt or grief around their experience. Yeah. So, I mean, we just need to provide for them the support that we can. Yeah. That reminds me of this book. I think we've talked about it on here before. It's a great resource. It's a little older now. I think it's probably uh, maybe 15 years old, but I think it's by Lori Holden and it's called The Open Hearted Way to Open Adoption. And my favorite line in that book says something on the lines of um, adoption creates a split between a child's identity, but openness is a way of healing that split. Oh, that is a split between their geography, basically like a split between like their biological roots and their map and then what they're experiencing and so the openness can like heal that split and so 
yeah, really, our, that's our ultimate goal, right? To help our kids to be as well as we possibly can because these are really hard experiences. And unless you, as an adoptive parent, are also an adopted person, then you really don't understand. Like, we don't understand what our kids are experiencing. And so that's why it's so important to be listening, to be open to learning, and to be comfortable recognizing that alone we really aren't enough and that we need to be listening to others opinions and voices we need to constantly be trying to do better by yeah. learning more yeah yeah and um i've loved talking to and connecting with so many adoptees and really really listening to them has helped me learn so much and so i guess the call to our adoptee friends is share your story share your truth share your feelings so that we know how to support you and future and other adoptees yeah if you're comfortable of course obviously yeah it's not like you're obligated to do that but but it 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 does benefit us and 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 others i think probably i mean many adoptees have shared that the more that they are open about things that they've felt more confident yeah there is a freeing power of getting rid of those feelings where you have to keep things quiet uh, when you get rid of that shame, yeah, yeah, then there's power there. But yeah, so much to learn. But I feel like really recognizing and understanding when we're seeing disenfranchised grief is a key stepping stone for us as adoptive parents in helping us to recognize how we can better help our kids, how we can better help their birth families, and how we can address our own potential traumas or grief that we need to deal with so that we can be there, that we can be better equipped to help others. Yeah, and I think maybe on a personal note, we might talk for just a moment about adoptive parents' mm-hmm. disenfranchised grief. Yeah. Um, you know, we we ha- have not been able to have biological children, and um, there is the, such a joy having our children in mm-hmm. our lives. Like, obviously there there are they are our everything um, something i tell people often is that uh, i forget that our kids are adopted <laughs> but at the same time i think about their birth families like every single day i think about all of these people who have become part of our family yeah. as well and so it's it's complicated right because they are 100% ours but they're also not only ours right right <laughs> so yeah. They're hundred percent their birth parents as well. Yeah. Like, and so so yeah, it's it's complex, but But I, I wanted to highlight this one thought that like if if we assume that the joy of adoption is going to overshadow any feelings of loss or longing for biological children or you know, struggles with infertility. That's not healthy. Yeah, no. you need to grieve, you need to get counseling. If you're considering adoption and coming from a background with those experiences, it's so important to seek help and to be mentally and emotionally well before you bring kids into your home and before you bring these complicated relationships with their birth families into your life too because these relationships are so important. They take work and it's like lifelong relationships that you need to be well for and you need to be able to consistently be trying to do your best. And so that means taking care of ourselves and doing the work to yeah. address our own 
struggles. Personally, I had this experience not long ago where um, I had taken two of our older children to visit family in another state. And um, during that visit, we got to spend some time with my sister and her husband and their three children. And there were these moments where I was like, wow, like I see, you know, parts of my sister and my brother-in-law in my nieces and nephew. Mm -hmm. And inside, I'm like, there are parts of me or parts of Lynette that I definitely see in our children. But then I wonder, like, what would it have been like or what would it be like? Right. And so even after, you know, many, many years in this in this wonderful situation of having these amazing children, there are these moments. And I kind of felt like guilty for feeling that. And then I guess I mean, I just have to sit with it and say, you know what, that's how I feel. And I just have to process how I'm feeling. And that's OK. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like we just go through like cycles, right? Where sometimes there's not really that grief or sadness anymore. And sometimes it might come back when you're not expecting it to. There might be things that trigger that. And so as you're sharing that, I'm like, oh, that's so hard for you. I feel bad. But I've felt very at peace with things for quite a while. But But yeah, sometimes I do wonder as like I'll look at pictures of, me when I was a kid and say, oh, wow, yeah, that looks like my niece. It looks like she might have some features from me or something. And it is kind of bizarre to not see that with our kids. But at the same time, we do see it with their birth family and their birth family is our family too. Yeah. And so, and that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've loved the experiences where um, our youngest, he's only three, but his birth mom was sharing us, uh, sharing with us some pictures of when she was a child and we were showing those pictures to our older children and they were like whoa he looks just like her or so she much, looks just yeah. like him and it was kind of, it was really fun to have those experiences with our older kids um because i mean they all know they all know each other's birth families and mm -hmm. stuff and they're connected and and it's just sweet that they get to have those feelings and experiences where otherwise in in a in a different time and or even now, if we're not, you know, actively supporting an open adoption, they may miss out on some of those feelings. Yeah. Experiences. Well, and we talked throughout the podcast, we've talked with many people who are adopted who talk about the life-changing experience of having a child, like a biolog biological child. Yeah, the first and time. And the first time they see someone who shares their DNA. Who looks like them. Who looks like them. And it's the first time because they don't know their birth family. And then others who also shared how having children really just ignited this desire that they might not have had before of, I want to know more about my birth family now because it changes. It changes the perspective there. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, so we've, yeah, we've learned so much. It's been such a journey and we're ready to jump in and learn some more in the new year. Yeah, so we're going to take a break through the rest of the month and we'll jump back in in 2024. Yeah, we'll be back in just a bit. Uh so to wrap up, we thought we'd share just a few of our very favorites throughout the podcast. So for one, this is not our favorite. I guess it's a listener favorite. But our most downloaded episode is the one with Alexa. 
I was just afraid that our Amazon Alexa was going to say yes. <laughs> it, 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 it does happen. Oh. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, yeah, so that was our most downloaded one. She's a birth ever. mother yeah. um, who shared her story pretty pretty soon after placing yeah. and was pretty just raw emotion. And I think you could feel her feelings and connect with her. Yeah. Yeah. The title was I'm strong, but that doesn't mean I'm okay. So that's our most downloaded episode. If you haven't heard it, check it out. And then a couple others that have stood out to us over time. Uh, I'd say that one of the most emotional ones that we did the interview for together was a discussion with Heather Rodriguez. And that one was really impactful. She talked about reunion and the challenging experience there. She also talked about her experience as an adoptee and then becoming an adoptive parent through a foster care journey. And yeah, it was impactful. That one stayed with me. Yeah. I, I just, from hers and and we'll encourage you to go listen. We won't spill the story there, but, um, Adoptees can be put in really awkward situations or really painful and hurtful situations. Especially if, when there's not openness. Yeah, if truth is yeah. not being told mm-hmm. and um, we're not coming as as other members of the adoption community, we're not coming at things with honesty and transparency. And like a focus on the adoptee, which adoption should be focused on the adoptee always. It can really, really hurt. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that one... That one still was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Oh man, there are so many, and I, and I don't know why my thoughts went right here at first, but um, I think that she may have been our very first interview um, with someone on the podcast in the very in the in the first few episodes we share our own experience and some of the lessons that we've learned. But we met with um, a birth mother named Nicole very early on when we were doing interviews, and. I don't know. I think we just clicked with her and had this great connection. And for me, I think that was like this aha moment of saying, Sean, like you don't know everything you need to know. And you have, like, yeah, you have so much to learn from so many perspectives mm-hmm. about all of this. And I mean, this being after we've already gone through this four times. And I mean, I feel like with our, you know, immediate situations, I know birth parents really well. I feel like I know a lot of what they're going through and what they've experienced. We're we're pretty open in our communication, but the adoption community is vast and the experiences are are so different. And if I want to be an advocate for my children who are adoptees, if I want to support them and other friends and you know, colleagues, connections, who whoever it is that is part of this world then I need to be, I need to learn. I need to be an active participant in this learning process probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and I think it was in our conversations with her um, that that kind of ignited in me. That's awesome. Yeah, something that I also really loved was just happening to find these two women who are both adults, their parents now, who were both adopted and had very open adoptions throughout their childhoods. That was Sarah Vanderhagen and Devaney Roberts, and they both shared their different experiences with openness 
during times when openness was not common practice. And they both grew up with very open adoptions, right? Where they would spend time with birth family without like adoptive family hovering and being part of that too every time. And so they both had unique but really impactful experiences with that. I highly recommend listening to both of them and their thoughts. I feel like it's especially poignant because these are experiences that have been like decades in the making and they've had lots of time to really consider the ramifications of their experiences and how openness shaped them. Yeah, I think I'd give a shout out to Dakota as well. He's a little bit younger than those two that you mentioned, but has grown up his whole life with an open adoption and, you know, really open connection with his his birth mom, at least. And um, from the male perspective, we don't have a lot of adopting male voices. We, I mean, we, many we men, have a, yeah. a, a, more than a handful on the on the podcasts, but um, I just felt like his ability to kind of articulate some of his feelings and he's pretty open about experiences um yeah that that too just paint paints for me just this really really the 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 true importance of having these open relationships and dialogues and contact yeah yeah i think that the other one that i really want to mention that was a life-changing episode for me was one that we did pretty recently it was a discussion with two mothers amy and Mm. stephanie and so we had them both over here to our house And just, I was able to chat with them in the living room where they shared how they are connected to each other and what open adoption looks like in their family and how it shaped them. It's a really fantastic and impactful episode. So highly recommend that one too. And honestly, every person we've talked to on the show, I I have learned from every single person and I'm so grateful for all of these people who have shared with us. I will say, I feel like as the podcast has gone on and as time has gone on, our perspective of what our goal is here has really changed where it feels now more like we are building and maintaining a platform for adoptees to speak. Yeah. And it's become really the main goal. We want to have a safe space for any feelings and experiences that adoptees might want to share. And so If you're listening and you're an adoptee and you want to share on the show, please reach out to us. We would love to have you on the show. Yeah, or if you're connected to an adoptee who has been pretty open about their experience, who who Yeah, who you think would like to share. Yeah, and who others might benefit from listening to, please reach out to us. We we would love to connect. Absolutely. So yeah, you can email us at openadoptionproject at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at openadoptionproject. Yeah, so... Thank you so much for being with us for National Adoption Month and for 100 episodes. It's yeah. been an amazing ride. I don't know if there's anyone that's listened to every episode. If you have, I don't know. If Let you us have know. a message us, we want to know who you are. Yeah, we'll send I you mean, like we... a digital certificate of honor or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, or perseverance or something. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can see some stats. We know that we've had nearly 50,000 downloads over the two and a half years that we've and we have listeners all over the world i'm always surprised to see really cool the hot pockets in other countries and continents where i wouldn't expect to have so many listeners yeah but we're honored that you're here and that you're listening and learning with us yeah so shoot us a message we love to connect uh we love developing relationships with other 
people in the adoption community and we feel that as we do so um, we our, our experience our knowledge grows and that just blesses us and our ability to connect with others too yeah and to hopefully help our kids and the other adoptees in our lives yep all right well thank you so much for being here with us have a merry christmas and a happy new year Thank you.